0: Welcome to Shades of Success. I'm your host, Adrian Lecky, and welcome. Hope you're having an amazing day. Uh, for those who are new, uh, Shades of Success is a Toronto-based podcast and a community of racialized professionals, creators, and dream chasers who are actively working to redefine success on their own terms. In this podcast, we celebrate culture, community, and success in the city. So today is going to be a conversation between you and me, and I can take the opportunity to work on these solo episodes to talk about different aspects or different theories of success or how folks find purpose and meaning. Uh, This could be in relation to a theory, or I may use some pop culture references and themes uh, to Think about certain aspects of how we conceptualize what success and purpose looks like for ourselves as either young professionals, creatives, or folks just trying to figure out what's next in our lives. So today, we're going to be exploring a concept that's all about finding your purpose, celebrating your identity, and living your life with intention. So to get this started as a personal reflection, growing up when it came to thinking about careers, jobs, and thinking about what's next in my life, it's always felt like there was this choice to make. This definitive, ultimate choice of what is the one career or the one thing that you're going to do. And whatever you choose, you're going to do that forever. Forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. Yes, Andre, forever. (laughs) But with this decision, you'd have to choose between either practicality wage, or you're looking into your passion and interest. That's doctor versus artist. You know, you know the deal. And in selecting one, you'd have to sacrifice the other. And that's always rubbed me the wrong way in conceptualizing because I always felt like a multi-potentialite. What that means is you have the passion or skill set to thrive and navigate through different careers, options, or opportunities in your life. So in being a multi-potentialite, it becomes overwhelming because there's so many things that I have a passion of doing, and I don't know where to start. In addition, it's overwhelming for folks to think about what's the one thing that you're going to do for the rest of your life. But it was through navigating life, different careers, and learning more about myself that I figured out that there's more to life than just making a decision of one definitive thing that you're going to do forever. Not only do we have the opportunity to do things that connect to multiple aspects of our life, but depending on what we do and depending on our passions, we could also get paid for it as well. But in all this, We know that there's more to our lives than just the career that we select and how we make money. But being intentional about how these things integrate into our lives and our purpose is important. So with this, we're going to dive into a concept known as Ikigai that originates in Japan. And together, we're going to work and figure out what are the different components of Ikigai and also how we can use these principles to make sure that we're doing things that are meaningful to us in our everyday lives. So brace yourselves, sit back, and let's begin. So in this world that often feels so fast-paced, it's easy for us to lose sight of what truly drives us and brings us meaning into our lives. So that's where the concept of ikigai comes in. So starting off, what exactly is Ikigai? This is a Japanese philosophy that beautifully intertwines four essential elements, which is what you love, what are you good at, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. So think of this as like a masterpiece where your passions, skills, values, and the world's demands all come together into one. Now, one of the areas in japan that has the highest life expectancy around the world is a city called okinawa now okinawa is south of japan has traditionally been known for their longevity and has been called the land of immortals which is crazy now okinawans have been known to have less cancer heart disease and dementia than americans and the women live longer than any other women around the planet you know, some folks may say there's even like less men there, and maybe that's why we causing <laughs> causing less stress to them. <laughs> now, when residents were asked about their quality of life, there were two components that stood out. One was a strong commitment to their friends and family and making sure that they have a long life long circle of friends who can support them into their old age. So community was one important component. The other one was Okinawans having a strong sense of purpose in their life. And this is known as that driving force, ikigai. So translating into what your purpose in life is. So bringing it back, there have been many studies about ikigai. There's been one study that showed that individuals who had ikigai had lower risk of cardiovascular disease and lower mortality rates. It's also been said that having a sense of purpose or productivity and sharing that with others can help you avoid social isolation and can bring happiness to your life. Lastly, and having something in your life that keeps you engaged, focused, and satisfied ultimately leads to a better quality of life. Now, Ikigai doesn't guarantee long life expectancy, and there's a lot more research that can be done. But you could tell that these elements can be foundational for us being able to build resiliency in our lives. Now, breaking this down even more and thinking about the different barriers or challenges that racialized folks can experience, whether it be at work or navigating everyday life, being able to be grounded about what our purpose is, what are the things that we're looking to do to give back to the world and the things that we're looking to do to change the world around us and how we feed into that. Provides us with that grounding to push through obstacles that we may encounter. So now you know a bit about Ikigai, what are some of the benefits, and why we're talking about it. But let me break down each shade of Ikigai. Starting with the first one, we're going to look into what you love, the identification of the things that bring life into your everyday. I want to start off by having you close your eyes. Think about a time when you felt completely immersed in either an activity or an experience. A moment where time felt like it stood still, your heart raced with excitement, that feeling that just felt more than a fleeting moment. Now, this is a glimpse into the magic that we experience when we find what we love. Now, we're in a world that really pushes ensuring that we're being practical and conventional about the things we look to do. So understanding and embracing what we love can feel like a breath of fresh air. It's like a declaration that your happiness matters and that pursuing what sets your soul on fire is not only a wish or a luxury for those who are privileged or have a lot of money but it's a vital part of what we do and what makes us human. So starting this journey off by thinking about your passions and thinking about what you love is important because it's not just about filling time or doing things we like to do for the sake of doing it or for the pleasure of it, but ensuring that we're finding activities that line up with who we truly are. And by giving ourselves permission in going into spaces more, we're unable to unravel more about who we are and more about what gives us meaning in our lives. Being able to discover what we love is all rooted behind curiosity. Being adventurous and being willing to explore these uncharted waters of your interest. I remember looking at this one social media post that talked about the the journey that you have going into your 30s. And thinking about your 30s as giving your 13-year-old self permission to do more of what they love to do without the fear of being judged. So when I think about what I love, my mind goes into thinking about connection. I love connecting and talking with people. I love unraveling stories and figuring out What makes someone tick is something I've had a huge passion for. In addition, doing public speaking and also theater was something I was really passionate about, something I am really passionate about. And this all goes back to the 13 year old self um, reflection where when I was growing up, I loved making friends, I was a class clown. Double-edged sword there, but (laughs) I really enjoyed being able to make someone laugh, be a light in their day. That's something that gave me a sense of fulfillment. I also like being on stage. I love being able to create characters and act them out. I love the idea of like improv and thinking on my toes while also building community with people. So with that understanding, my mind immediately thinks, how are these pieces reflected in my everyday? I can tell you that being intentional about these things that I love and being more purposeful of how I incorporate it in my life has given me a sense of stability. And stability in the sense that I know that I am Doing justice to my younger self and doing justice to what I feel like my spirit and my soul is drawn to, which is what really drew me into creating this space. To be able to have an ongoing environment to be able to allow these passions to be flexed through like, you know, the practice of speaking, um, while also knowing that I've been in spaces where I see people doing what they love. I see people in their element. For me, it would be as speakers, as artists. And I immediately feel drawn and inspired to do the same. And that's the impact that we have as well when we do what we love. Being able to act as a catalyst for someone else to be able to do something that they love is profound. So knowing that you're doing this for you, but you also do a service to the people around you, when you give yourself permission to dive in and understand what you love and how you bring that in to your life on a regular basis. So that's step one with Ikigai. So the question I have for you, so the question I have for you in reflecting on what you love is, what do you love and why do you love it? All right, so now we've wrapped up step one and let's go into number two. Number two is what are you good at? So you're thinking of profession. So imagine this is what you're skilled with, what your talents are, what do you feel like makes you stand out? Now, to do this could be uncomfortable for some, and I know for some young professionals, being able to objectively look at your skills and what you do a great job at. Can be challenging. It's easy for us to be very humble and say, Oh, you know, I could do better at this. I could do better at that. But objectively, what have you done a good job at? What have you received praise for? What do you feel confident about in your abilities? So, having an understanding of this is important because it gives us the tools to understand how we could communicate ourselves over to future employers people who we network with, and generally to be able to build our own confidence of ourselves. So have you ever noticed how effortlessly you excel at certain things? Maybe you're an amazing communicator, a problem solver, uh, you're an artist, you're a great singer. But with all these, these aren't just skills. We are able to embrace these things like badges of honor that we're able to wear with pride wherever we go. So the exciting part about reflecting on what our strengths are is that it allows us to recognize abilities that we've already had, whether we're aware of it or not, to be able to line those up to know that no matter where we are, we know that we have these strengths that we can lean on, that we can leverage, um, that we can communicate to know that we belong in these spaces. For me, one of the Most eye-opening moments is using a platform known as Clifton Strengths. I used this when I was in my fourth year of university, and what Clifton Strengths is 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 it's an assessment that allows you to type in some things that you're good at. It gives you a, a quiz that you have to go through, and once you wrap it up, it gives you a list of strengths that you have that you're able to reflect on and think about how you utilize these on a regular basis, how you, use, how you can utilize it within, while you're working on a team. So through that one, I vividly remember getting my number one as a maximizer. This is the ability to be able to connect with people, see what their potential is, And create spaces to allow them to grow, allow them to um, push themselves, and knowing what that potential is. So this also applies for different projects or different things I'm working on as well, and being able to see what the potential is. And how can I create the environment to make sure that these things are able to be actualized to their fullest potential? Another reason why I really like doing podcasts about topics of self-improvement. Um, with this, I've always identified as being a, a catalyst. And through that understanding, I've always had the tools, the, the knowledge of knowing where exactly I'm good at, even knowing where exactly I could have improvement, but being able to know when it comes to a format of a team or it comes to a job. I need to be able to flex the muscles that I have that I'm really good at or flex the skills that I have that I'm good at so I'd be able to provide value in a meaningful way to the spaces I'm in. So in thinking about what you're good at, I'd like to challenge you to think about these few questions. What is the thing that people always turn to you for? What are the skills that you have that feel second nature to you? And in understanding those, what is the one thing that you can do today to not only honor, but amplify your strengths wherever you are? All right, let's go on to number three. And number three is what the world needs. So you're thinking about vocation. With this, we're going to take an objective view of the world around us and the community around us. And think about what are the needs that currently exist? What are the challenges that exist in the world around us? Now, based off of your perspective, your view, your cultural insights, you're able to provide a unique lens of what these gaps are and what these challenges are. And this helps us in a few ways. One, it gives us the space to start thinking about what are the challenges that we're able to support in solving? What are the problems that exist that we can have a hand in providing insights to with our skills? And next up, thinking about yourself as a business. If you want to look into personal branding, if you want to look into um, making your own business, is thinking about What are the challenges that your users are facing that you can provide insights to as well? In being able to shape our experiences and our knowledge and our understanding in these challenges, it gives us a view that allows us to step outside of ourselves into positioning ourselves in the community as leaders, as problem solvers, to feed into a bigger picture. So, the one challenge I saw within the world and with communities uh, that really resonated with me was representation. How are racialized folks represented in different industries and different careers, different professions, and how we can provide a guiding light to others to be able to pursue the same? Growing up as a Black identifying male uh, and also as an only child, I didn't have many people who I could lean on to let me know what these options are that I had. I, I grew up with the traditional, you know, doctor, lawyer, um, or actor, um, basketball player. Based off of my limited pieces, doctor and lawyer actually came from the Cosby show. <laughs> you know, Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable and uh, Claire Huxtable. Actor, you know, I like to watch sitcoms. So that's like the Fresh Prince, things like that being inspired by people bringing light to people through TV, basketball players through athletics. Those are the things I saw. And, you know, I could speak on the, the, the benefits of these things in, in, in the entertainment industry. However, I felt that there was more. There's so many things, especially now that are going on, that people have no idea how to get involved with whether it be the, raise, the rise of AI and technology, whether it be the sciences and the nuances that are happening there, um, mental health, etc., and being able to inspire youth to be able to know what their options are and how they could work towards these goals that seem so distant but are actually possible. That's the problem I want to work on being able to solve. And I'm sure there are other challenges and things that exist out there. And I think that every, everyone had an insight into what challenges exist around them. It gives us the tools to be able to think about how we're actually working to solve these problems. We don't have necessarily have to be the one. But we're able to find organizations and communities and spaces that are aligned in solving this problem so we're able to feed into something bigger than us. It's about asking the world, how can I contribute? And how can my unique blend of talents fill the voids and create the ripples of change? Again, within your own lived experience, within the cultures that you grew up in, you have a different lens that you're able to feed into, a lens that's unique from other people. And being able to bring insights into that and finding ways that you can bring that to light and let people understand what these challenges are also feeds into building the steps that we need in order to solve these problems. So here's a question for you. What is a cause or issue that resonates with you deeply? What's that problem that you've always felt a tug towards solving? Take a moment to reflect on that. Whatever it is that you identify as that problem, researching and taking that first step into addressing this problem gives us better insights as to how we're walking into our purpose. Now, next up is thinking about what you can be paid for. You have this toolkit of skills. You have this passion. You know the problems in the world what exactly can you be paid for now there are certain components in our lives and you know, in order to make a living and navigate the world we need to be paid we need the moolah we need the guap um, but so figuring out what we can do that we can be paid for is connecting the dots between what we love doing and also building a sustainable life for ourselves now Bring in a business perspective to it. You want to think about what, either what businesses are looking for the skill sets that you have to offer, whether it be your skills in photography, your skills in um, word processing, and organization. If you have a skill in coaching, whatever it may be, you want to think about how the client or how an organization is looking to pay someone for these services or for these skills. In exploring this, it could be as simple as looking up careers that you're interested in and seeing how much they get paid for on average. Or if you're looking to do something independently, researching what are ways in which freelancers are paid for some of these skills. But the advent of resources like Fiverr that exist, it becomes easier for us to one, put our skills on display to be um, paid and provide a service and also see what other people are charging as well. And also thinking about yourself as well, yourself in the circle around you. What are the common problems that exist that people are willing to pay for? What are the skills that exist that are in high demand? Again, you hear a lot about tech as a high demand thing that folks are willing to pay for. You hear about coding as well. Um, but there are things like public speaking and communication. As if you're interested in public speaking, folks pay for MCs. If you're interested in teaching, people get paid to be teachers, or also people are willing to pay for private videos, workshops, informing them on specific skills. And can you, are you knowledgeable in a particular thing that allows you to leverage your knowledge? with revenue. So the question you want to ask yourself here is how can your skills solve problems or fulfill needs that people are willing to pay for? In understanding this, you're able to align your passion with a paycheck. Now not all things, you don't know you don't need to be paid for all things that you do. There are certain hobbies and things that we have the desire to keep as that because when we have the expectation or the external expectation to do a particular thing a hobby and a passion can become something that's a bit more mundane. But in being strategic about what market demand looks like and how our strengths and our abilities and our passions line up with that, it allows us to be more intentional about the spaces that we're in and the value that we're able to provide to people and to be able to be reimbursed for these things in a way that allows us to have a sustainable lifestyle. All right, so we made it. We got past the four steps. We know what we love. We know what we're good at. We know what the world needs. And we know how we can be paid for it. What do we do now with all this information? And what this is, is carefully figuring out what the intersection is between all four of these things. And that's what leads to Ikigai. Now, in addition to that, the cool part about this concept and this theory is that there are intersections that exist in between these four elements. So allow me to explain. So let's start off with what you love. When you know, when you align what you love, with what you're good at, what you have there is a passion. So what you're passionate about is the overlap between what you love and what you're good at. When you have what you love and it aligns with what the world needs, You're given a mission. What your focus is, what the value you're able to give the world through what you love is your mission. Now, when you align what the world needs with what you can be paid for, you have a vocation. So this, a vocation is a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or an occupation. Yeah. So when you know what you're good at, and it aligns with something that you could be paid for, you have a profession. Now, when you hear vocation, and you hear profession, there are some times you could hear them used interchangeably. But there's a distinct difference between these two. So understanding the differences here now, it allows us to understand where our careers, our passions, and our goals align. If you're currently doing a job right now that you're getting paid for, that you do very well, but you don't really have a good love for it, you know that you're doing, you're in that profession zone. When you do something you love and you're good at it, it's a passion, something that you're interested in doing, something that gives you a call and gives you meaning, but you may not be either reimbursed for it or be paid for it, or it may not align with a high demand that the world has. So with all of these pieces, there are things in our world that exist that align with some of these overlaps. But the beautiful part is when we're able to align each of these pieces, whether it be into a role, a career, or a thing, that's our ikigai. So a way in which you're able to find out what your ikigai is, one end, you can just follow the instructions I provided and see where those overlaps lie when it comes to a career. Another thing that's possible is there's a website that you're able to do a questionnaire. It's a free website. I'm not being sponsored for it, but I just did it a while ago and it was actually pretty spot on, and it's called www.ikigai.test.com. So you can go on there, and what we'll do, we'll ask you a few questions that you can reflect on, and you'll answer to be able to get a sense as to what your ikigai could look like now by no means is this definitive um but it gives you the idea of what are the types of careers that may line up with the things that are important to you so let me allow you to go through my my ikigai test so when i shared what i love what i got was having a good time and enjoying myself while performing a given task I know that I'm good at communicating with superiors, peers, or subordinates, training and teaching others, uh, guiding, directing, and motivating other people. I can get paid for open mindedness, my flexibility, sociability, and approachableness. And the things I can do that the world needs counseling, philosophy, psychology fine arts. So when all of these overlap, in understanding these different elements of yourselves, finding the overlap between these pieces allows you the understanding and insight to know what you can do that could be fulfilling for you as a career or as a role. It doesn't necessarily have to be one thing. There's a lot of commonalities that exist when it comes to different careers and things that happen. But the other thing I could maybe challenge you to think about, too, is while once Ikigai is the intersection between these four elements, there are going to be times based off privilege, based off of access, where a career or a thing that we do may not be aligned with all these pieces. And that's okay. But I think it's important for us to also think about that missing element or those missing elements in our everyday life. For example, if I'm doing something I'm good at that meets the needs of what the world needs and I'm getting paid for it, where do I find time to do the things that I love? And where does that integrate into my life? Because if I'm just driven by those three things, you can see a gap there. Like, I didn't have the space to communicate, to do acting, to do speaking. If I was able to do those other elements, I'd be able to do them well. But would I feel fulfilled? And I think that's what Ikigai provides us the opportunity to reflect on. Is here are the elements to a fulfilled life. And how does that line up with how you're currently living? So now that we understand all of these pieces, what are our action steps? What are the ways in which we're going to move forward in incorporating Ikigai? So I have a few steps. One is embracing our cultural palette. So I challenge you to think about how you're incorporating your culture into, whether it be the things that you love, your unique perspective of the things that you're good at, the thing that the world needs. Are things that your culture and your community needs, and how you can be paid for it. When you're able to infuse those things, it, it acts as a huge celebration for your, to your identity, to who you are, and how you're paying homage to your cultural background and what makes you unique. Step two is seeking wisdom from others. So there are so many people who are out there in the world doing amazing things. Whether they know it or not, they may be thriving in their ikigai. But being able to ask questions to people who are doing similar professions to what you're interested in, people who seem to have a really great balance between their loves and passions with giving back to the world as an advocate while also being paid for it, they all have important knowledge that you're able to utilize to be able to find out what your ikigai is and how you can incorporate that into your everyday life. So reaching out and leaning on mentors is something that will be very important. Step three is continuous reflection. What I hope you're able to do after listening to this is have questions that you're able to leverage in finding out what your ikigai is. And if there are areas that you are confident about, take the space to refine those. Make sure that you're giving yourself the permission to dive into things that you love, practice things that you're good at, understand more about how you can be paid for them, and refine refine your understanding about what the needs of the world are. If If you do not have clarity of these things, take in the spirit of curiosity, ask questions. That way you get a bigger sense as to where you fit in, and finding the overlaps between these components of your life. And that wraps up this episode of Uncovering What Your Ikigai Is. Remember that this isn't a static destination, but it's a dynamic process. Your passions, your skills, your values, and what the world needs will evolve over time, and that's okay. But embracing that fluidity of Ikigai and allowing it to guide you wherever you are, whatever career you're in, or wherever stage you are in your life, gives us the foundation and the school- and the toolkit to know when we're out of alignment and when we're in alignment. And I think that's an aspect of success. Being able to live a holistic life that incorporates our passions, our strengths, a challenge that's happening in the world, and giving us the resources to live a sustainable life. And I think in uncovering this, it brings us one step closer to defining success for ourselves. That is it. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to wrap up this episode here. Um, I'm excited to know what your ikigai is please share it with me and let me know. And I'm excited for you as you go on this journey that's shaped around your culture, your strengths and what you were born and placed on this world to do. So with that, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share this with your circle. Um, If you'd like to follow what I do, feel free to follow Shades of Success at shades of success that's s-i-x-c-e-s-s on instagram you can also follow me on linkedin at adrian leckie that's a-d-r-i-a-n-l-e-c-k-i-e and i look forward to connecting with you and if you have any questions feel free to reach out to either of those platforms give me suggestions if you have if you'd like to be a guest as well feel free to reach out to me I'd be excited to connect with you. So with that, take care. Have an amazing day. And we'll talk soon. Peace.